Welcome to Speaking in Spoons with your host, Christina Brookman. Welcome to Speaking in Spoons, a chronically ill podcast. I am your host, Christina Brookman, with your co-host, the handsome Dr. Nate Strauss. And with us today, we have Helena Berger from RevUp Virginia and Rachel Loria from Disability Law Center Virginia to talk about voting and disability. Thank you, ladies, for being with us. Um, I'd like to uh, give you an opportunity to talk a little bit more about yourselves and your organizations. Um, uh, Helena, I'm gonna pass the baton to you. Great, well, thank you. Appreciate this opportunity. Um, as Christina said, I'm Helena Berger. Um, I've been a disability rights advocate for over 30 years. When I say that, I sound very old because I'm probably getting old, but that's just the reality of it. Um, I am the immediate past president and CEO of the American Association of People with Disabilities, AAPD, which is a national cross-disability um, nonprofit. I think the best way to think about it is an organization that's a civil rights organization for people with disabilities. And the focus at AAPD was um, increasing the political and economic power of people with disabilities. Um, I retired from APD about four years ago and one of the things I've been doing since then is I am the co-founder and co-chair of RevUp Virginia, which stands for Register, Educate, Vote, Use Your Power. Um, AEPD runs the national program, which is called RevUp. As I mentioned, we're RevUp Virginia. And again, um, this is all about building the political power of people with disabilities and specifically in Virginia. And we, you know, we do that through voter education and increasing voter awareness and increasing voter registration and having events. We are nonpartisan. Uh, we have a coalition that meets once a month that's diverse in terms of including individuals with and without disabilities, disability organizations. Rachel is, is part of our coalition. Um, and we have more what I call mainstream organizations. We do want this to be as diverse as possible even though we focus on the disability community. So um, I guess I'll leave it there. I don't want to monopolize too much time. You're fine. <laughs> and Rachel, um, could you tell us a little bit about you and um, yeah. Disability Law Center? Sure, uh, my name is Rachel Loria. I'm a senior disability rights advocate at Disability Law Center of Virginia. We are the state designated protection and advocacy office for individuals with disabilities. And part of that is a lot of our voting work that we do to make sure that people in Virginia have access to voting through, uh, Help, through Help America's Votes Act, HAVA. Uh, I am a disability advocate. I have been a disability, I've been a self-advocate for my entire life. Um, and I've been working in the field of disability advocacy for about 20 years. Um, I 
do a lot of our voting work here. I also do a lot of our vocational rehabilitation work, making sure that people who have disabilities can work and have the supports in place that they need to work. Um, and I also do a lot of our assistive technology work. So kind of do a lot of different stuff, um, but we are primarily pro bono. We are a nonprofit organization that serves all of Virginians with disabilities, regardless of where they live throughout the state. We are centered in Richmond, but we travel throughout the state to help individuals with disabilities. Great. Um, so we are about uh, to be at November 7th, coming up upon uh, election. And I think um, a lot of people may not realize uh, what can make um, voting difficult for people with disabilities. Even people within the disability community may not realize until they go to try to vote. Um, so for those out there, uh, what have been some difficulties for people uh, with voting? And um, what have been some things, I know Helena, we were talking earlier that we have uh, achieved um, to, uh, at least uh, in Virginia and maybe some other places in regards to overcoming some of those barriers. Sure. Helena, you want me to start with the barriers and you can- I, I was gonna, Yeah, I was saying, why don't we start yeah. with the negative and then we'll uh, transition to the positive. Okay, <laughs> sure, I'll be the negative. <laughs> you be um, so some struggles include um, access to curbside voting for individuals who have physical disabilities or who are 65 and above, access to um, a voting machine for individuals who are blind or visually impaired or have low vision, making sure that that voting machine is accessible. Um, several, every polling place is supposed to have a voting machine, but not every polling place has a voting machine uh, that is accessible. Um, every Let me rephrase, every polling place is supposed to have a voting machine specifically for people who are low vision or people who are blind, but not every polling place makes sure that those machines are accessible and not every polling place has employees who understand how to set that machine up. Sometimes it just sits in a box. Um, wow. So we want to make sure that, you know, if this money is being spent, that people can access the machine that they need to vote. Um, we and is it, oh, sorry, is it my understanding that um, with curbside voting, every mm -hmm. polling place is supposed to offer or have some form of accessible yes. voting? Because um, I know that uh, I didn't even think of like spaces. I went once and um, you had to go upstairs to get to the place where you actually cast your Not ballot. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not going to happen. So what we look for in terms of polling places is that there is curbside voting or at the bare minimum a sign that has a phone number that tells you how to call and ask for curbside voting if you need it. We also want to make sure that the parking places, um, that specifically the accessible parking spots, are closest to the door. This can be a challenge because if the 
if the polling place is not accessible 24 seven, sometimes they make these temporary changes for election day and they forget to move the parking spots so that they're closest to the voting entrance. We also wanna make sure that there's no obstacles to getting in the door. Um, and that can include stairs to get into the voting entrance. Um, potholes, stairs, we want to look for curb cuts. Um, and then the last, the other thing that we look for is we want to make sure that um, the door is easy to open. It has a door that you can open with a closed fist, um, but also that it's not too heavy. If it's, if you can open it with a closed fist, we tell people to check yes on our survey and I'll share the link to that. But we do also want to know if it's heavy or if it's not then this year we are adding two other things to look for um, because this year our, our office is starting to go inside and we're asking, um, we're asking at our own polling places where the accessible voting machine is and making sure that the poll workers know how to set it up and use it. And we're also asking um, because we had a lot of folks in the last election who wanted to ask for assistance with voting or wanted a, a family member to assist them, but didn't know what form to fill out to make that possible. Um, and we're often rushed through that process and not given the correct form. So we wanna make sure that there's advertisements in the polling place in letting individuals know that they can ask for this form. It's elect 649, um, asking, letting people know that they can ask for we don't necessarily, they don't necessarily have to say elect 649, but just letting folks know that there's a form that they can ask for to request assistance so that there's less barriers in terms of voting. Um, in terms of mail-in ballots, um, the signature, um, Helena, Helena, you're gonna talk about the signature part, mm -hmm. right? Okay. So yeah. we'll take that part out. Um, Mail-in ballots should also be accessible, should also be because, you know, the signature element was not the only element that made those difficult. Um, so we're working on that. Um, Helena, you want to kind of talk about some of the breakthroughs that we've had? Sure. Um, so in, again, specifically in Virginia, we have seen voting become, and I'm going to use this word broadly, accessible or more accessible to people with and without disabilities. A lot of times in the disability community, when we talk about accessibility, right, we're talking about like physical accessibility. But in um, 2021, there was the Voting Rights Act of Virginia that passed. And what was in that law um, really also facilitated breaking down some of the barriers for people with disabilities. So for example, voters are no longer required to have a vote, um, photo ID, you still need identification, but not a photo. So for many people with disabilities, um, they don't have a photo ID, you know, they mm -hmm. don't have a driver's license, right? And, right? And it becomes difficult to get a photo ID. So that became a real barrier. So in Virginia, you don't, you know, you don't, you no longer need that. Um, you can vote absentee without an excuse. Um, starting last year, you can also register on the same day that you vote. You know, so all these things make it easier. With curbside voting, as um, Rachel said, what they did in that law was you have to have either like a number, a phone number that you can call a text or a buzzer so that the poll worker can come out and give you the ballot. Now, obviously, 
through um, the Disability Law Center, they found that there were still violations when it came to that. Um, and we could talk about, you know, enforcement issues, but nevertheless, it was, it was written into the law. Um, early voting increased, but you know, you have 45 days now to vote, um, which again, you know, is just making it easier for huge. people when you have, right? It's a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. Um, I think people mailing. think like, why do people need that much time? But um, uh, particularly people with chronic illnesses or any kind of disability, we don't know what it's going to be like when you wake up having that much time. Or if you don't have transportation, you're reliant on mm -hmm. other people to get yeah. there. You have to make those schedules. So that's just. Yeah. 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 And, and then the way you can return the ballot, I mean, you could do a mail-in. And that gets to the witness signature. So last year, the General Assembly voted to eliminate the witness signature. Now you just have to have your date of birth and the last four numbers of your social security number. And that became okay. a barrier too. You know, a lot of people with disabilities are isolated to get somebody to be a witness is a problem. Mm -hmm. Certainly during COVID, you know, if you're a person with a disability, you're usually or many times more at risk. So you don't wanna have, you know, somebody coming into your house during a pandemic. So again, that that was a big, you know, I think a big win. In also in terms of curbside voting, this did not pass last year in the General Assembly. It's going to be reintroduced, but right now it, it says it's only if you have a physical disability. So mm -hmm. what we're trying to do is eliminate the word physical and just say disability. Right. So it's an opportunity, right, for anybody with a disability who needs it. So hopefully, that will pass this year. Also in this new bill, it's also talking about um, training for poll workers. So they really sort of, they understand, <laughs> you know, yeah. what the requirements are. Um, and that, that becomes a huge issue. I mean, I think that is one of those barriers that even though poll workers are trained, I don't it's think that- everywhere you go. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's not yeah. consistent. And um yeah, I, I think they are getting trained on, you know, disability, but for whatever reason, mm -hmm. um, like, yeah, as Rachel said, I think there's an inconsistency. So these are just some of the really positive things that right. happened in our state. I, I recently, um, we read an article and it refreshed my memory. The University of Illinois did a study in 2021. So one wasn't done last year. Um, Virginia moved from the 49th place of a state that did, you know, that sort of helped somewhat suppress the vote to move up to 12. Wow. Yeah. yeah. In terms of being a state that is, again, using the word more broadly, you know, making voting more accessible and easier for its residents. That, that's a huge deal. That's a really- What would you consider um, attributed to that the most, do you think? I think I, well, they, they, so they took this survey in 21 the Voting Rights Act for Virginia was a, was a 2021 bill that passed. Ah, so I think okay. a lot of the things I just mentioned now, they had, you know, had the biggest impact in increasing the ability for people to vote, uh, like I say, both with and without disabilities. So right. I, I guess this is a good segue just to talk a little bit about the impact it's had in Virginia. Um, one, there was a, two studies that were done by the um, by Rutgers University and the U.S. Election Assistance Commission. It came out after the 22 elections, so the midterm election. And so I'll, I'll talk first 
specifically in Virginia. So within that report, um, Virginia voting gap, which in 2018, and we go back to 18, so we're comparing apples to apples, right? Midterm election to midterm election. The voting gap between people with and without disabilities was 11.5%, minus 11.5%, meaning that was the percentage of people voting without disabilities over people voting uh, with disabilities. In 2022, we had a 0% gap. That to me is huge. That to me, right? That to me speaks volumes, right? Speaks volumes about, yes, the state has improved, right? Uh, in terms of making sure more people can vote, but it also underscores the power that people with disabilities have, the political power that we do vote. You know, especially if you make it easier for us, we'll come out and vote. Right. Um, and it was 53.2%, both for disabled and non-disabled voters. And again, you know, for somebody who's been doing this work a long time, to see a stat like that, that's I mean, huge. Is really, is really powerful. And yeah. you know, we've been when we started Rev, Rev Up when I was at AEPD or or doing Rev Up Virginia, we we talk about that political power, we talk about that potential, and we talk about the disability vote, and it's real. And this, you know, this statistic makes it very real. <laughs> so you know, I think I think. What we really need to remember, if you make sure that you're not discriminating against people with disabilities and you're making voting easier, people with disabilities, like I say, will come out and vote and will come out at the same rate as their non-disabled peers. Right. I, I have some, you know, national, us an opportunity. you know, some of the um, national statistics. I was just going to ask that, later. yeah. So, uh, and I'm looking because I don't want to get these numbers wrong. So I, I wrote some things down. Um, so again, this goes back to the 2022 election. 15.8 million voters with disabilities voted in 2022. Um, 1.6 points increase in the disabled vote. And there was a 1.6 decrease in non-disabled voters. And then that also shrunk the gap, the national gap. In 2018, it was minus 4.8 points it's now 1.5 points. So again, that gap keeps shrinking. Um, and we talk about, so disabled voters voted at the same rate as non-disabled voters with the same de demographics, we'd have an additional 2 million votes. And why I think that's so important is because we're talking about the political power and influence of the disability vote. And when so many elections, both, you know, national election, elections, state, local are so close. I mean, just think about the last couple of presidential elections, um, just as prime examples, they were so close, 2 million votes, you know, we, right, could make a huge difference. Um, mm -hmm. And not just a difference, but it would um, underscore the power that people with disabilities have. You know, we want our politicians, those who are in office and those running for office, to be thinking about the disability constituency that they have as the same constituency as what we call the soccer moms or older mm -hmm. Americans who are, right, who are known to vote at a higher percentage. Right. Um, Black women are being courted because they've been voting at higher percentages. So it's time that, again, our elected officials, you know, make sure they don't overlook the disability vote because again, we're voting at higher rates and we could really impact the outcomes of elections. 
The last mm -hmm. thing I, I, I want to mention, just in terms of um, some of the stats that go back to the barriers. Um, so in these reports, it said 14% of disabled voters had some difficulty voting. That was about 2.2 mm -hmm. million people in, in 2022. But And then when you look at in-person, those who are voting in-person, 20% of disabled voters experience a problem to only 6% of non-disabled voters. And th this report said um, when it came to a lot of voting issues for in the disability community, it was centered around folks with vision disabilities and cognitive mm -hmm. disabilities, which to a lot of degree makes sense, um, yeah. right? Making sure that the accessible voting machine is working, right? Mm -hmm. That um, people who request an email ballot can get one electronically. Um, they still can't return it electronically, but at least they can get it electronically and yeah. fill it out. Um, that was and, something that we worked really hard for, I believe it was in 2020. Um, to, and to, I think, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, I think cognitive and, and I think we're even getting better in the disability community, but something that I don't think we think uh, as much about when we think about accessibility, and I'm curious if you agree, Rachel, is, mm -hmm. um, you know, simple language. So if you're Absolutely. a person with intellectual disability or developmental disability, right, um, right, you need simple, simple language. And I think, you know, on the cognitive mm -hmm. end, that I think is why you're still seeing barriers because somebody could go into a polling place and just have, you know, issues with the ballot or, you know, mm -hmm. just, just understanding. Even if the ballot's laid out differently than the sample ballot. Um, that's been a right. huge thing. Where the ballot and the sample ballot are laid out differently and people get confused. Um, because they they don't recognize the way that the sample ballot is laid out versus it changes the way in between years. I'm sure, Absolutely. also like yeah, you know, needing assistance. Yeah. I know, even, like Rachel was a big help to me last Absolutely. year because um, with the migraines that I have, I go through periods where I can't read for myself, um, and she was helping me. Um, you know, fill out the forms and stuff, but there was um, problems. I think it was the signature issue that was we were the signature having. Issue, and I think it was also trying to change your address on the portal. I think we yeah. were having an issue signing into yeah, the portal. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, I can't imagine being somebody that didn't have someone that would qualify to do the, um, to the assist signature. them, the signature. And then mm -hmm. they're in a situation where you're not necessarily trusting who's doing your ballot because that can be an extremely Absolutely. personal and emotional thing. Um, mm -hmm. And it's it's being disabled. You already have to trust people so much and, and um, rely on people so much. And that can be very hard. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, it's just very encouraging and exciting to see all of these wonderful changes happening in Virginia. And, um, and I'm encouraged that it's, you know, happening in other places in the country as well. Um, I was actually gonna, I was gonna say, if you're interested in, if you're not in Virginia, and you're interested in kind of getting involved with the voting changes in your area, you can go on to the webpage for the National Disability Rights Network, NDRN, 
which is www.ndrn.org, and I can share that link. They can connect you with your state um, protection and advocacy network, and most of the state protection and advocacy networks are doing voting rights work. So you. if you're if you're in a different state and you want to get involved with the voting rights, um, and AAPD is also a great site to go on to to get some of those resources too. Um, and we'll make sure to share, um, so those that are listening and watching, we'll have both Rachel and Helena's uh, information, their organizations, informations and links, and the organizations that Rachel just uh, recommended, so that uh, if you're wanting to help or, or receive help, you can reach out. Um, and speaking of what you were talking about just now, um, Rachel, that's a thing that I wanted to bring up. If people want to get involved um, and they um, want to help out, either if they are disabled and they want to know um, how they can get help or if they um, are able-bodied and would like to help, um, how can they help like in Virginia? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Perfect Please, can you help? Yes, great. One way that you can help is um, the Disability Law Center has a voting rights survey that we're asking folks to fill out when they go to their polling places, either early or um, on the day of elections. Um, and it's got questions like we just talked about the curbside voting element, the parking element, the uh, clear pathway to the door. Um, another question that I forgot that is on there this year is asking election officials in your own, at your own voting precinct, if they have had any obstacles with curbside voting. That's to assist some of that curbside voting legislation that might be coming up in January. Um, so it's got a lot of different, it's a pretty short survey, but it's got different questions and different things we're asking you to look for at your own precinct and other precincts. We also have, um, a, a video posted that trains you on how to do the survey. Um, so if you want to do the survey, you're welcome to watch the video first. Please watch the video first and then um, do the survey. You can submit it online um, and we will use that data to let the Board of Elections know how things are going. Last year, with the help of our volunteers and our staff, we surveyed over 550 polling locations. Um, and a lot of that, um, a lot of the changes that we've asked to see are, are a result of what we see when we go out to polling locations. And we've gotten a lot of good collaborations with the Board of Elections and also general registrars. Um, I have registrars calling my phone asking me at work, like, how can we make this better? How can we change this so that this is more accessible? So really creating that collaboration is huge. Yeah, I, I wanted to underscore that. And that was something I was going to mention. So I'm glad you did. I mean, this mm -hmm. work that the Disability Law Center is doing, you know, and getting volunteers to do these surveys is really critical because what they've done is they've compiled the information. They sent a letter to the commissioner mm -hmm. of the Department of Elections in Virginia. A matter of fact, she came to speak um, at, at one of the Virginia yep, Coalition meetings, right? Uh, letting us know based on the, the findings in the surveys that were done by the Disability Law Center, what they're going to be doing to, you know, mm -hmm. how they're going to be working with the local registrar 
to try to correct some of these issues, hopefully before this year's election, but also moving forward. And we understand that the process of this stuff doesn't get, you know, mitigated overnight. But I guess I want to say that that survey and people volunteering to do it is really having an impact because, like I said, that information just doesn't sit in some computer, you know, on Rachel's desk. They're, they're sending it to the Department of Elections, and I'm glad to report that they seem to be taking it seriously and, you know, want to, like I say, mm-hmm. mitigate some of the, the violations. Um, you know, I just want to go back to being that we're having such an important election in Virginia on November 7th, our whole General Assembly, so all our legislators are up for election and why this is so important. And like I said, we're, we're nonpartisan. Uh, we don't, you know, endorse candidates, but the Voting Rights Act that I talked about happened in 2021. That was under a different governor. We have a new governor right now, and uh, depending what happens in the election, we don't know if some of this stuff can be overturned. So if you really care about your voting rights uh, and you wanna make sure that what we were just talking about earlier that got approved in 2021, uh, stays that way, then it is important, you know, to vote. Uh, if there are certain disability issues you care about, you want to make sure that that curbside voting bill includes all disabilities, not physical disabilities. Well, you know, you should go out and vote. And whatever, it doesn't have to be disability related, but for people who may think that their vote doesn't count, it does count. It is your voice and you really need to use it to either preserve what we already have, or if you want to see things change. And I'm, like I said, regardless of what side of the aisle you're you're on, you know, that is one, you know, significant way to really use your political power is go vote. And again, it it really does make a difference, especially, like I say, when these elections are so close. So I know sometimes people think their vote doesn't count or, you know, become complacent. Please don't use use that power you have. Well, and I think so, so much of the, the disability vote um, is applicable to other groups as well, you know, um, like it, low income, like, you know, issues with food stamps and how much that uh, is divvied, Medicaid, Medicare, like health insurance, special education, crisis, special education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, these issues affect so many people, families. I mean, it just... It, it, our issues are the community's issues. They really are. Um, mm-hmm. And I think making this accessible for us to get out there and talk about it like this is so um, important. And like you said, our votes are important, Helena. Like that is just, it's so critical. You, you can be, feel isolated. You can feel alone and like you're not important and like giving up, you know, don't get all up get out and vote if you if you're having trouble like you know there are people that want to help you um get out and vote um and there are also if there isn't a survey in your state start a survey you know or reach out to organizations see hey can we start a survey um because it like uh you guys have said this has just become so incredible for virginia doing this um, did you have any thoughts or questions, Nate? Uh, no, admittedly, this is not my subject, but I, I, I was, I did enjoy listening to everything you guys said. Although, actually, Rachel, 
as a lawyer yeah. who does pro bono work, do you also have a, a superhero alter ego that fights crime at night? Okay, not a lawyer. I forgot to say that. Not a lawyer. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, I think I think Christina can vouch for the fact that I think there is an alter ego that fights crime at day and night and probably burns the candle on both ends. Yes, I think uh, very much so. <laughs> Christina, I, think, I, think, I was going to say, I, was, I think you're speaking for all disability rights advocates, Rachel. Yeah. I think yeah. I think the burning candles on both ends is is definitely yeah. Yeah, that's um, a, I think that's also even though you guys aren't considered a nonprofit, but I think anybody who's doing you know the civil rights work, it, I think it's it's part of a that comes with the territory. You know, I, Christina, just getting back to your point, I think the intersectionality piece that you were talking about was so important because when we talk about people with disabilities, you know, it transcends every demographic, every group, yeah. right? Anybody, you know, can get a disability at any point. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's important to remember that, you know, you can be a multiply marginalized person. Um, and I think what's also important that you said is, yes, we should obviously be focused on a lot of issues that just specifically impact people with disabilities, but people with disabilities are like everybody else. You know, maybe they don't care as much about the disability issue, but they care about, um, you know, abortion rights, you know, or they may care about, you know, some other um, climate change, which, again, you can, you know, all these could be tagged back to disability. But I think it's mm -hmm. important to remember that people with disabilities, again, are like everybody else and have their own yeah. issues own concerns that could go beyond just specific disability issues. And I think that intersectionality piece is, is really, really important. Um, and it's becoming- Our concerns are valid and important. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And, you know, in terms of resources, um, in addition to what um, Rachel said, there are a lot of issues that are around like mental health and guardianship, and there's a really good organization mm -hmm. called the Bazelon Center for Mental Health, B-A-Z-E-L-O-N. I know they have a toolkit online specifically as it relates to um, the rights of people with mental health issues and guardianship. And we were talking earlier about um, individuals with um, intellectual disabilities and developmental disabilities. There's an organization called SAVE which um, self-advocates becoming uh, empowered. empowered. Yeah. yeah. And I know they have a toolkit that specifically talks about voting and voting rights for folks with IDD. So there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of good resources out there. I mean, if somebody just want, in Virginia wants to start becoming a little more engaged with these issues, um, you know, I would welcome them to join our monthly coalition meeting. We, we meet the first Thursday at every month at 4 p.m. Um, so again, um, and you can contact, contact us at revupvirginia at gmail.com. And I know you're going to be sending this information out, but yes. I just wanted to make sure that people are aware that we're, we're a coalition open to everyone and anyone who wants to join. You. you know, I, I also wanted to say in, in terms of other ways to get engaged, especially if we're trying to enlighten Again, our, our political leaders and those running for office, you know, that there is a disability vote, right? And mm -hmm. we do wield some power and the power is growing. 
So like town halls, right? A lot of legislators hold town halls. Well, you know, try to get to your town hall if you can and, you know, make yourself present, ask specific questions that you care about, you know, write your, you know, congressional leaders. And on the state level, you can do that with, your, you know, your representatives and delegates. You know, there's all different ways to engage and get involved. And and again, I think it's just important. And, and I part of it is not just having our political leaders realize that this is an important constituency, but I think the media, you know, it's one of the reasons we had our press conference in Richmond that Christina spoke at a couple of weeks ago. You know, I think they need to be educated. The general public needs to be educated. I mean, there's still a lot of misperceptions and stigma and, um, you know, small-minded thinking around disability and what that means. Um, and I think, you know, it's, post 30 years since the passage of the ADA and certainly, you know, attitudes are changing and accessibility is better, but we, we do have a long, you know, way to go. And um, like Most I said, the definitely. more, right. The more we can be out there. I think uh, we have to change to the, the concept of accessibility, particularly um, in regards to invisible disabilities um, and things like that. You know, there's just so many, um, barriers that keep people with um, invisible disabilities from being able to participate as much as they would like to in society as well. Um, so, and there's just a, so there's a world of invisible disabilities out there and physical disabilities. So it's about, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, education is key, you know, yeah, educating right. ourselves helping educate others and, and feeling okay, allowing people to ask questions too, because I think yeah. that breaks down the barrier as well. You know, if, if we get comfortable, you know, um, allowing people to ask questions, I think questions are a sign that someone cares, you know, they care mm -hmm. enough to ask a question. Um, so we shouldn't humiliate them in asking that question. And even if maybe they go about it, you know, the quote unquote wrong way or with, with ignorant language, they're asking the question because they care. They're reaching out because they care. And it, it is our job to help them feel um, encouraged by what they've done and welcomed into the community, you know? Yep, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you know, um, yeah, I think sometimes people feel intimidated you know, yes. just say something, but they may say the wrong thing. And you know, like in every right. community, there's right language and wrong language. But I think yeah. sometimes you you just have to embrace somebody who, like I said, they want to ask a question because they're generally and authentically interested and, yeah. you know, want, want to understand, you know, um, what what that person is experiencing, you know, what, what do we mean by disability rights? What What is accessible? You know, I've heard right. of the ADA. I mean, a host of different questions. And uh, yeah, being open-minded. And I also think, you know, what, people with disabilities should just take pride in who they are. You know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I think that, you know, there's outside the community and inside the community. And I think, you know, I, I see or saw a lot of this when I was at APD because we had an internship for college students and graduate students with disabilities. And uh, every summer, about 400 students, over 400 students have come in the program. And Attitudes are changing as you see a younger generation. There is so much, you know, pride. 
and activism. Um, matter of fact, one of the stats I didn't mention, um, it talked about that even though there was an increase in all different types of disabilities and demographics, the biggest increase in 2022 in terms of uh, who came out to vote with a disability was young people. So that to me is really encouraging, right? It's the next generation. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, yep. that really yep. is exciting. And I think as things are changing, it's important for people to understand that accommodations and accessibility with voting is also changing. And you know yeah. what might be accessible one day for somebody might not be accessible for somebody else. It's an individualized thing. Um, so I know we're Disability Law Center is also trying to get into the polling places and um, work with poll workers to educate them on you know accommodations and what needs to be in place, but also explain that you know things may change right yeah it's not it's not a cookie cutter approach it, it's absolutely it's, not yeah and again it's making sure that people understand with disability understand their rights that they can mm -hmm. ask for these things you know be it right. you know at a polling place in the workplace i mean you know they have laws protecting them from discrimination and you should you know not be intimidated to ask somebody for an accommodation or why this isn't accessible you know, it, it's your right. So I think, you know, um, as you said earlier, Christina, education is such a big, a big part of this. Um, oh, again, yeah. Knowing what your rights are. I went several years in thinking I couldn't vote because like something you hit on just struck with me so much because when I, you know, my disability is progressive and there came a time when I couldn't work and and then I stopped being able to drive and stuff. And I was just, and then I was wheelchair bound and I was like, well, I don't know how I'm even going to do this. And then, um, so I just assumed I wouldn't be able to, and I hadn't looked into it. Um, and then I ended up getting back to a point of driving. I'm now back to a point of not driving, but when I was driving, you know, I went out to a vote and my aunt, she has multiple sclerosis. Um, and, you know, uh, she was telling me about curbside voting. And I was like, I didn't even know curbside voting was a thing. But it's like literally my polling place has never had curbside voting. The place that I lived for eight years never had curbside voting. And there would never be signage or anything. And then for her, she knew she was supposed to. I mean, my aunt knows her rights. And like she is not going to be stopped from voting. Like she's she's gutsy. I love her, um, and I think we could all learn something from that. And she, uh, but she's like, I know I'm allowed to vote, um, but there was no sign, so she was like calling the inside and stuff. And then like I think injured herself trying to get inside to find out what she was supposed to do. And they're like, oh, well, you're supposed to call us. She's like, well, it would be helpful if you had a sign with a number so I know who to call. Um, right. So, yeah, know, know your rights. Um, and unfortunately, I found out a lot of people aren't going to tell you what those are. You have to do the work to find them. But that's yeah. why I'm so excited having you guys on here to help educate people about what their rights are and we can get some information for them on our website too. So well thank you for having us. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Um did you have any follow-up thoughts before we sign off? Go vote. <laughs> I'm just gonna 
I was going to say vote on November 7th. Absolutely. Yeah. November 7th we'll say November 7th or before if you're early voting yeah, that's before. true early voting there's still early voting through November well in Virginia through, through November 4th, 4th. Mm -hmm. 5, November 4th 5 p.m you can vote early or obviously you can go to the polls on the 7th but I just um read something that came across my email that uh what was it 90 Oh, now I have to remember what it was. Um, something about in terms of local elections and 99%, and now I can't remember exactly what that, I'll get that, I'll email it to you. You can scratch this from the recording, but it was, it was an amazing statistic about voting and like state, state and like state or local elections and a 99%, but I can't remember the whole thing, but it was, it was, yeah, it, it underscores why it's so important for us to go vote on November seventh. We're having the local election, but unfortunately, I'm having a senior moment and can't remember exactly what the ninety nine. Remember what the stat? Yeah, that? we get brain fog all the time, so we're right there with you. But I'm um, going to send it to you. I don't have it in front of me, um, but I, like I said, it just came across my email and I read it quickly. But I'll send it to you because I it's apropos and in light of this important state election we're having. Go vote, let us know your experiences, uh, fill out the survey, let us know what your experiences are and send them to us so that we can move forward and try to move, keep moving Virginia forward. Thank you. Yeah, and I guess my last plug for Rev Up Virginia, if you're interested, you know, just email Rev Up Virginia, spelled out Virginia at gmail.com, um, even just to get on our mailing list, even if you don't want to join our monthly coalition meetings, but you can get on our mailing list. Um, I know you're going to disseminate our one pager that has all our social media platforms. So a lot of different ways to en engage with us and the Disability Law Center. And I certainly hope people choose to do that. Well, thank you, ladies. We'll definitely have to have you back, uh, particularly as a follow-up to see how you know, the survey goes and how things are looking like post uh, once we get like um, uh, new people in the seats and um, <laughs> so free. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Oh, thank you. And uh, for those listening and uh, watching, stay tuned uh, for Nate and I to do our after party. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we're back. Uh, I'm your host, Christina Brookman. Um, and this is your co-host, Dr. Nate Strauss. And we are doing our after party uh, for the interview on voting that you just heard. Uh, so Nate, you had mentioned during the interview that this wasn't really your thing. Did you mean that like politics or you don't feel like you really know about the issues or tell me more well, about that? I know who the president is, and I know about the people contending to kind of run for this time around, but I don't really, I don't know about the specific issues that pertain to disabled people, and I don't know specifically which candidate would be best for, you know, the disabled community, so I don't know. And that part, I, I just, I'm just not that knowledgeable about, it's just I haven't put my focus into that, I put my focus more into nutrition and medicine and trying to understand that stuff because that was that's 
more immediate to my life, I guess. No, I understand. And I don't think you're alone. I think a lot of people, you know, feel that way. And then actually, I got an email from uh, Helena about that quote that she couldn't remember. Um, and it was, did you know 99% of all elected positions are at the state and local level? Um, yes, 99%. So this year may not be a presidential election year, but every election matters. And most of the things that affect us are actually decided on at the state and local level. Like, um, like what are some things that like you struggle with as a disabled person? Like in general or related to politics? Well, I think if you take the word politics out of it, like it's like housing, right? Like we can't afford housing for ourselves very easily, right? Yeah, but that's more related to like working than it is to actual housing. Actually, it's not because a lot of there's a because there's HUD. Don't look at me like that. There's HUD, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the Department for Urban uh, Development, Housing and Urban Development. And that's where we get a lot of like income-based housing um, for elderly and disabled people um, or low-income people. So like, that's what I'm trying to get on a wait list for now since my, like I had housing where it was low income um, and I kind of negotiated a lower rate with the people that owned it because they had a relative who was disabled and it was actually an accessible apartment, um, which is also an issue, like the accessibility of apartments, like, you know, does it have a button so you can get in and out? That's Domino knocking the computer over. Uh, can you get in and out with a wheelchair? Is it wheelchair accessible? You know, things like that. Um, uh, but also like the affordability of housing because if you can't work, like if you're on disability or you're low income, you know, um, because of your, your disability, you're elderly, you need help um, with um, those type of housing situations. And that is absolutely through the government um, and at the state and local level. And then like food stamps, you know, um, like how much we get for food stamps. Food stamps were just cut. Did you know that? Yeah, like food stamps. Like I used to get like a certain amount of food stamps. Like, let's say like, I think it was like a like it went up during the pandemic, which was great. So I could start getting actual like vegetables and fruit. Um, so I was getting like 180 a month, maybe more. Um, now it's 35 a month. And, you know, like the cost of eggs and like anything, and I don't know how you feel about dairy, but like fresh fruit and vegetables is expensive, you know? And um, so there's that, but also like, so food stamps, housing, transportation, like because the government helps with like, can help with plans for transportation and things like that so that there are buses or like with insurance and things like that so that you can get um, like people have been talking about getting like um, 
ways to get paid for like Ubers and Lyfts so that we can have more independence as disabled people when we're not able to drive. So like all of those are issues that affect us and affect other people with disability or elderly. Um, and I think people don't realize, you know, that those are issues that are being decided about at the state and local and sometimes, you know, federal level, but that's why voting is so important. And if it's not being decided on, it's being decided on. Like we could bring those, like it's, it's important for us to bring the fact that those are things that people need to people's, you know, attention. Yeah. Those are great points. I think there's a lot of issues that we do vote on at the local level that probably is important for disabled people to get involved in. It's just, I don't know. I mean, like we're talking about, I think the theme of this show is is spoons and counting spoons and like it's going to take a certain amount of spoons to go vote. <laughs> it's it just does. like that's just the rest of your day it so it's just people have to decide whether they want to vote today or they want to make their breakfast today just and that's the kind of thing i think that people need to become aware of that we're probably one of the sickest generations in history and we're also our country like we're also probably the farthest in debt that we've ever been and it's also we have this funnel we've created for children to go to school then become in debt and then go out into a job market that is oversaturated with yeah. people with degrees so it's just hold this, on a second nate you're you're kind of having some feedback and we're back um the technical difficulties but nate you were talking about uh, spoons and like how difficult it is you know to some days you know the thought of getting out and voting and I think what's something great that Virginia has done and other states have are are doing is early voting so like and at least here like you have almost like a whole month to go and vote so like if you wake up and you're like I can't do it this day you still have more time to try. Yeah. I mean, I, I would call myself a more apathetic person, I suppose, when it comes to voting. Like, I, I've, I've gone to do it. I've made myself do it. And it used to be easier to do, and now it's very difficult to leave the house. So it's hard to even care about it. But I do think it's important and I think people do need to exercise their right to vote. I just, it's hard to find the right, I guess, I don't know what the word, like balance between exercising your right to vote and, you know, living without a lot of inconvenience, I suppose. Oh, I completely agree. And um, I think, uh, I think if, more advocates and you know and friends to people with disability you know really hear what you're saying you know and that we really need people to push the accessibility of voting and so accessibility isn't just curbside voting 
you know, it's early voting, it's easier, like, for mail voting, so that you, all you had to do was do absentee voting, and then you don't have to worry about leaving your house at all, you know, you just do a mail-in ballot, I mean, I would love for a day where we could go online and just vote, like, on our computers or our phones, like, um, I don't understand why we're the, not there yet. Like with all the technology in the world, you know, that it's would just not, be so wonderful. It's just, I guess, I don't know if they can't figure out the safety or the controversy around doing yeah. this. Since a lot of the people in Congress are super old and don't quite understand technology. So yeah. I think that re- it's hard to move forward with that sort of like, I, I remember the old days when we used to write our ballots three miles before we, like I just it's that kind of mentality like back in my we used to write our ballots by hand like that kind like it's just that well, kind then of maybe you should write a letter to your con your elderly congressman or senator and tell them about your experience and why it's a you know online voting would be so helpful beneficial not just to you but to other people with disabilities and elderly people too like all the people in the nursing home and assisted living yeah like there's issues have... that affect them a nice handwritten letter with my scribbly handwriting and like i'll just like try to make it legible and then sh- you could you know, type it and then sign it with your scribble scrabble type it on my typewriter yeah there you go okay whatever have, you were in school have... you could type I don't have a printer, but I mean, I guess I could get someone to print it out for me and then send it to my congressman about making it easier to vote. I I mean, that could be, I don't, if only there was like a disabled person in Congress, like that's, I feel like that's one of the demographics. I feel like there is, and I feel like an idiot for not knowing. We do actually have a disabled person in, as a governor in Texas. Um. Well, we once had a secret disabled president, Roosevelt, who yes. hid his ability. Yeah. Until he couldn't. But it just, I mean, I think in the new, in the 21st century, we're ready for a wheelchair, a wheelchair congressman, or I don't know what you call it, just like a. Wow, uh, there's so many chronic illnesses out there and disabilities. I wouldn't be surprised if there is a hidden, you know, invisible disability in our in our Congress or, you know. Oh, that's so, true. Yeah. Probably are invisible, invisible disabilities. Or if, even if they don't, statistically, somebody ha- has somebody in their family or circle of friends that experiences it. So that's why it's so important, even if you do not have the spoons to get out there and like, you know, march or whatever, tell people what the issues are. Talk about the issues because it gets around and you can pick up the phone and and call your senator or your congressman. If you can't write, have somebody help you like you just said write a letter or you know because i know i have writing problems too with my right hand um or if there's a printer issue you know but let you know get the word out there and like they they're shutting we had our episode on nursing homes and assisted living 
a lot of that is funded through vouchers through the government. Like um, Medicaid doesn't pay for assisted living in Virginia. It's different in every state. It's a voucher that you qualify for that is government funded. Um, and, you know, those facilities are being shut down left and right um, because of lack of funding. Um, and it's like, where do those people go? Like we're about like the it's the baby boomer generation we're having an increased uptick in homelessness and stuff that's really scary and and horrible and also like psychiatric facilities are getting shut down because of lack of funding and then homelessness like you know so it's it all comes down to the funding people don't want to fund things but then you know do you really want to see veterans and elderly and disabled people out on the street homeless like that's where this funding goes. So, yeah. But anyway. Nate's right. Do it in a way that you save your spoons. <laughs> Christina Brookman for Senate. No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I would be the worst. <laughs> it's so bad. It's going to be a, a, what do you call it? A, a Grass was it a uh, or you grassroots? <laughs> yeah, Christina Brookman and <laughs> it 2026. No, but what's I your, am what, gonna keep pushing issues, yeah, because they affect so many people. What's your middle name, Christina? Michelle, the CMB, CMB, CMB. They used to call me Brookman in college because we had. A Christine, a Christina, and uh, and then me, Christina. So we all like kind of went by last names and stuff. So it was like Brookman. Yeah, I was so hardcore. Yeah, no, Brookman for Senate. <laughs> happening, starting Thank grassroots movement. Speaking in okay. spoons, all all ten people who listen to Speaking in Spoons, get ready. We're gonna start <laughs> something. Your hand bone, yeah. but you know, seriously, get out, vote, vote this week, and or I guess it's the next week, but vote, 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 and you know, and if your state is not accept accessible, you know, let people know about how important accessibility is, so that you can vote because these issues issues are so important um, for people and their families. So, you know, disability issues are community issues, period. So thanks, Nate. And I I love our guests and having them on. This is a very um, passion subject for me because I just, I, I don't like to see people suffering. And I think when we get out and vote, that's, that's how there is strength in our voice. Um, you know, there's strength in our vote. I think one of their speakers at the local conference said that, that our superpower is our vote, you know? And I love that. I love when she said that. I was like, yeah, that is our superpower. So on that note, save your spoons, guys, and go vote. Save your spoons so you can vote. And um, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.
If you want to contact us, please send a DM or email to speakinginspoons at gmail.com with any stories you have or would like to interview with us on any of our upcoming topics. And check out our website for all of our upcoming episodes and what's happening in the Speaking in Spoons community at www.speakinginspoons.com. Thank you for listening to Speaking in Spoons and have a great day.